Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Mapping the College Audition, a podcast where we explore the landscape of the college theater world and try to demystify this daunting audition process. I'm your host, Charlie Murphy, director of MTCA, that's Musical Theater College Auditions, and today we have a very American international show lined up. American for like American gods in Walker, Texas Ranges. You got it, Megan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ashley Reyes is our first MTCA alum we're having on the pod. Um, it is so cool to be – actually, I should say the second because Megan's been on the pod this whole time. But the first mm-hmm. guest, MTCA alum guest we're having on the pod. Um, yes. It's so cool to be able to chat with her and have this – she's been having this incredibly exciting early career. I mean, she literally did this interview in between filming a lead series – a lead in a series regular or a lead series regular, whatever we call it, on a CW show. She's the lead of a damn CW show and she's doing this interview on her weekends um, off of, of shooting. And, you know, it's not so many years ago that she was one of our students. Really, it's, it's, it feels like it was yesterday. Um, so I think you'll really enjoy hearing her thoughts and listening to her journey. Uh, today on the pod, we get into the lessons from dabbling as a child actor. Um, we talk about the double-edged sword of Ashley's impulsivity. Um, we talk about going to school abroad and both the the interesting nature of a foreign school, but also then a school where there's um, classmates of varying ages and kind of what that did for her. Um, we talk about what it is to be seen on stage and in TV and film. We talk a little bit about the disappointment of her visa falling through. She missed a show in the UK because of visa issues. Um, we talk about navigating rejections in the beginning of her career in the TV and film world. Um, then we talk a little bit about TV and film technique and the size difference between what you do in theater versus what you do TV and film and how her different training has helped her with her different jobs. Uh, and then we get a bit into the nitty gritty of creating, changing, and expanding your representation or your, your kind of business team as success hits. So that's agents and managers and press people. and and some of that stuff. But before we get to this episode, I do want to give a little caveat because I hear you out there, all of our wonderful MTCA alum who are fans of the pod, and I know we are opening up a floodgate with having Ashley on, and I do want to have all of you on as well. But I just want to say, also, I'm trying to be conscious, the same way we're very careful of not having too many MTCA coaches on the pod, even though we have so many wonderful MTCA coaches who would be guests, that we want to try to keep the pod inclusive and not too insular to only our MTCA family, since we do have a lot of listeners from across the country and the world who are non-MTCA students, and we love them all too. So that said, we will have more of you on. Um, since I do think it's really nice to hear some of those younger voices and hear different points in their careers and journeys. But of course, we can't have you all on, which breaks my heart, but I just have to say that because I know there are many of you who are going to be excited to come on and only so many of you I'm going to have on. Okay, caveat over. Um, Make it anything you wanted to throw into that caveat before we get to this fun episode with Ashley. It's more fun to expand our world anyway, but it's was fun to have Ashley on because we discussed before the pod that she was an alumni at my mock. So she was bestowing more knowledge on me today. So it was like a little bit full, full circle moment. So it was very fun. Yes. So Megan at one point in her mock audition, when she was auditioning for colleges, was listening to Ashley on a panel. There's a panel that mm-hmm. Megan was also watching and going, oh, that's a great advice, right? Went to this freshman who's only a year ahead of her. And then all of a sudden now getting to listen to this amazing, successful actor. So that's such a cool um, dialectic. Yeah. But let's get into this fun episode with Ashley Reyes. Well, we are so excited to have Ashley Reyes on the pod. Uh, Ashley is a graduate of the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Arts, otherwise known as Lambda. And she also has a degree from MTCA, that's Musical Theatre College Auditions, a very proud degree um, to earn. Before school, Ashley did some work as a child actor. She was on a show called Family Values and 
Kid Fitness, where she played a noodle head kid. I can't wait to talk about that. Um, she's done the Broadway and off-Broadway, the play that goes wrong. Um, and then on TV, she's been in American Gods as a series regular, um, the currently airing How I Met Your Mother on Hulu. And we are dropping knowledge on the pod right now. It has not yet been released, though by the time you'll be listening to this, it will be released. Um, Ashley's playing the lead in Walker, Texas Ranger. This is a new CW show, which is like a remake of the old Walker, Texas Ranger. What a world. Um, she also just f- finished uh, filming on a movie called Slayers, which was just completed. So we'll get to chat about that a little bit. Ashley, welcome on the pod. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing fantastic, Charlie. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. <laughs> just okay. But not just okay, like just okay. Like just okay. Doing great. Um, before we get too deep, I want to get into the collegiate journey. But And of course, we can talk a little bit about your time with MTCA. And and again, I, I said it once before when we had a young person on the pod, but I'm so excited to have a little bit of a younger perspective for our, our younger listeners to hear a, a process that might be a little more similar to theirs. But I want to talk a little bit about what might be dissimilar to some of our, our listeners, which is like that career as a child actor, or, you know, I know it wasn't, you didn't do a ton of stuff, but what you did do, how do you feel like that influenced you as you sort of now entered your teen years and your collegiate journey? Um, I think I just knew I wanted to pursue it more. I think if I hadn't done little like bits and bobs as a teenager, I wouldn't have known that this is the career that I wanted. And I'm glad that I had a glimpse into what it was actually like and that way I could prepare myself for a career in it. Because when you go into it, I feel like, and you're, you're just in high school and you're like, you know, I want to, I want to do a career in either musical theater or theater or film and TV. You think it's going to be all great and fun. And <laughs> so I'm glad that when I was 15, I got to see kind of the other side of it of, uh-huh. you know, the long hours, the constant rejection. I got that all in as a teenager. So I felt great by the time I was you know, an adult kind of going into it, um, even and, though I didn't do that much, but the, the little bits that I did do kind of gave me a good insight into what my adult life was going to be like. And when do you think you knew, you know, because uh, was it 12, 13? When do you think you're like, I definitely want this. I'm pursued this both in college and then for my career. When was it an absolute yes for you? I think I knew it was an absolute yes as a career when I was little, when I was six and I started doing community theater. That's when I knew that I wanted to do it as a career. I didn't know I wanted to go to college for it until I was probably in, probably right before I started applying to schools. Uh huh. So more like 16, 17. Yeah. At that point, I thought I was going to go to school for academia. I didn't, I honestly didn't think I was good enough to do this as a career. I knew I wanted to, um, but you know, I had a lot of self-confidence issues, um, And so I just didn't think that it was going to be possible. And I remember watching my friends thinking, oh, they're going to do it. They're going to go to college for it. And me thinking, I'm not as good. I'm not going to go to college. How wrong you were. Though I do love the idea of going to school for academia. That's a really, you're like, I'm going to go for, can I study academia in school? That seems (laughs) really Can I, can I go to school to be a professor? <laughs> exactly. Um, but so then now, having gone through the MCCA process, you may be able to give us a little bit of this uh, answer. Um, at that 16, 17-year-old sense, you're starting to really look at schools. You Now, like some part of you at least believes in yourself enough to, to do this process. What do you think you were looking for in terms of like your goals for a college experience, your kind of a mission statement for what, what did you think college wanted to look like for you at 16, 17? I think I just wanted to be somewhere that I was going to be allowed to be myself entirely. I felt like going into a lot of schools and looking at a lot of programs, they kind of, there were certain programs that looked like they were kind of molding people into what kind of actor they wanted to be. Or, you know, growing up, you hear, oh, this person went to this school. So they're this kind of musical theater actor. And they're this kind of, this kind of actor. And I knew I didn't want that. I also knew that I I had auditioned for some MT schools, but I knew that I was going to be an actor. Like I, Mm -hmm. Ellen always called me crazy because I would stand up there to sing and I would just shit my pants because I was so scared. And I I just thought that I was not capable of doing that. So I think I wanted a program that was going to allow me to just be my, myself and the Mm -hmm. actor that I am innately And also with a sprinkling of, you know, singing and MT stuff without that Mm -hmm. being 
the focus, but having a little bit of that. It's such a beautiful thing for actors when you make that decision of going, I want to do non-musical theater acting, that all of a sudden the thing that scares you becomes like a a special skill. Like now I'm like, I'm a really good singer for an actor. Like yeah, for a musical exactly. theater major, I'd be like, this would be a struggle. Like you're going to hear that my top note and you're going to wonder. But now it's like, oh, you can sing. Yeah. For an actor. Of course. Yeah. Like, kind of flip your weaknesses into your strength. Exactly. Um, let's exactly. get in a little bit to Lambda and the wonderful um, school that you went to. And I want to get into the specifics of Lambda, Lambda, but maybe before we do that, just like, can we talk a little bit about what it is to go to school overseas? Was that on your radar at 1617 originally that it might happen? Um, we've had an international guest on, the wonderful Ilda Mason, to talk about what it was like coming internationally to the United States. But as a U.S.-born student, we have a lot of people who apply to international schools. Mm. But this that question of like, are you actually ready to go to school overseas and then come back? So tell me a little bit about that process for you. Yeah, totally. Um, I had kind of a mentor of mine, the guy who owned the community theater that I went to as a kid. He pretty much said to me, he was like, if you're actually serious about this, like, why don't you just consider like going to Lambda or Rotter or Guildhall? Because these are the schools that kind of the people that I idolized growing up. That's those are the schools that they went to. I, I always loved, you know, older actors and, you know, my idols growing up were like Judy Dench. <laughs> I was going to say, you got to go back a little bit to get those idols. That's Patrick Stewart. That's Ian McKellen. Exactly. Yeah, sure. And that, that, you know, that, um, that Patrick Stewart doing Shakespeare was like what I loved as a teenager. Like that's what I geeked out over. So he was like, you should look into it. Maybe he's like, ah, you know, I don't know. I, I still don't know if I want to go to school for it. And then I went to go see Follies in LA. My aunt was a dresser and I met a very prominent English actress who I was very excited to meet. And I told her, oh, you know, I thought maybe I'd apply to Lambda or Rada. And she said, don't apply to Lambda. You'll never get it. <laughs> the, little, the little shit I am. I absolutely applied and auditioned. and Challenge accepted. Yeah. I was like, no, I want to go now. I don't care what happens. I'm I'm going to go. And did you feel, was there like trepidation of like, you know, how will these connections translate to the U.S. market? Certainly everyone's heard of the name of a school like Lambda. So certainly the, the reputation is there. But were you worried about like a lot of people go to school with the idea of I'm thinking about a showcase or I'm thinking about, you know, alumni connections I would be making in New York or L.A.? Were you worried like I'm all the way over there? Like, did you know I want to come back to work? in the United States, definitely? Or was that any fear of that? I know a lot of students speak about like, if I go to Scotland, if I go to Australia for school, will it translate to the US market? Yeah, um, I think a blessing and a curse of mine is I was I was born with a sense of impulsiveness that I don't, I don't think that far ahead. I, <laughs> I was not thinking at all um, about the outcomes. All I wanted to do was get in. I didn't think at all about what would happen afterwards. I didn't even tell my parents that I, cause my mom and I flew over to do my recalls for Guildhall and Lambda. Recalls is a fancy word for callback, right? Yes. And so I flew over to do my recalls and we just figured it would be a fun trip. It would be a once in a lifetime week trip to England that we both had always said we would do and never got to do. Mm -hmm. And we figured we'd never go back. <laughs> Whoops. And then I got accepted and I didn't tell her. And then I got the official phone call and I accepted it on the spot without <sighs> talking to my parents. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be clear, Ashley was an MTCA student. This is not MTCA recommended. So parents out there, we do not tell the students to secretly accept college's decisions without talking and negotiating and all those things. Um yeah, so I didn't think that far ahead. I was just like, I got in, I'm going to go. It's I love what you said, you said the, the gift and the curse of impulsivity. Like that is so, it is such a gift to an artist to be able to go, yes, just yes, and I'll figure it out. You know, like it's so beautiful. I mean, understanding for your life strategically, there's some decisions that you might want to sit back and think on, but there is something about, we, we talked about in actually one of our recent artist episodes about sort of the risk of taking the leap and jumping off the cliff and building the parachute on the way down. There is something about going, uh-huh, yep, I'm, I'll do it. I'll figure it out. I'm, you said I can't get into school. I bet I can. Let's see what happens. Like that is it's really, really cool. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about Lambda. So now you're there. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I'm in a whole new country. I'm in a whole different school with all these potentially foreign feeling uh, other people. What was the experience of the school like for you? 
in terms of the acting training, in terms of the, the college experiences? If you had to sum up in a couple words, like what was Lambda like for you? It was, I mean, incredibly different, difficult. I mean, not difficult. I mean, definitely different, but difficult. It was hard. It was really hard. Um, mm-hmm. It was really lonely at times because I was one of four Americans in a program that was catered to almost entirely Brits. And mm-hmm. I was the youngest, you know, there were only a handful of us that were went in at 18 and the rest were mm-hmm. all older. And so I felt like I was thrown into the fire very quickly and, and heavily because I was the only female American as well. Mm-hmm. But the life experience I got from just being in a different country, in a place that there are no dorms, you have to find your own housing. You have to make your own friends. You have to find your way to school because there's no campus. It's, Uh it was, I grew up very quickly going to school there. And I learned a lot about myself as a person, which I think was the most valuable thing about it. So cool. Did you call it a flat? Did you have to get yourself a flat? I had to get a flat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and Lambda is like, I think like some American schools where they they combine, what you got technically is like a BA, maybe a BA ONS. BA sometimes, ons. Right? You see it? Um, but it's similar to a, a BFA in terms of the structure of what we would see in an American degree. But they combine the, the BA ONS students and the MFA students together is that mm-hmm. true like like a Juilliard where it's it's sort of that you're taking classes with people who are taking getting a graduate degree even though you're getting an undergrad degree so it's similar for the most part the three-year courses for people who just haven't gotten an acting degree before the they do have a two-year um MA course those are for people who have gotten their acting degrees before mm-hmm. um but for us, it was just a mix of ages of people who maybe were studying architecture beforehand who then wanted uh-huh. to go back. Some people who studied academia. Yes, exactly. The 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 academia, academiacs? Mm-hmm. Acad- For sure. Academiacs. That's definitely what the word is. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, that's not what I went to school for. But so some of these students are up to what age? We're talking about 25, 26? How, how old are some of these people? 22? The oldest of the range person of in our students? year was 31. It's a big difference. It's a, just the experience of going to school with full adults, to your point of it ages you. That's what we often say to kids when they think about those combo programs. It's like, yeah. it is a different experience when you're going to school with a 30-year-old. A 30 is so yeah. old, right? So right. <laughs> just kidding, parents out there. We're just kidding. Um, okay, let's do a little college flashback round. So this is the first of our two games we're going to play, Ashley. We're going to put 60 seconds on the clock. And I'm going to try to get you to answer as many questions about college as possible within 60 seconds. Some of these are special London-based questions that I've written just for you. A lot of people get the same questions, but you're going to get some special questions. The only rule is however many questions you can answer. If you want to be funny and interesting, you can. But it's just a purely numerical game. We think the goal is 14. Is that right, Megan? That's correct. 14 is the record. 14 questions in 60 seconds. Can you make it happen? I'm I'm trying to challenge that same competitive impulse that that woman who said you'd never get into Lambda. I'm going to say, Ashley, you will never get 15. It won't happen. Okay. Six seconds in the clock. Megan, are you ready? Six, seven, eight. Hardest class for you in school? Uh, Alexander Technique. The song or scene you love the most working on? Um, How did we come to this? What was the most stereotypically British thing you did while over there? Oh, God. Um, Had tea every day. (laughs) <laughs> Most consecutive hours spent at a pub. Maybe 16. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever try to fake an accent to see if you could pass? Yes. <laughs> Did you ever sneak onto the Globe stage and recite Shakespeare? Yes. What's the thing you miss most about London? Oh, my friends. What would you do when you felt homesick? Uh, <laughs> call my mom. Uh, school alumni you wanted to be when you grew up? Oh, I'm uh, Ruth Wilson. <laughs> we'll count it just because there's a little bit of lag. We'll count your Ruth Wilson. We did not get 14. There was too much hemming and hawing going back and forth. We got – I need – where's that impulsivity, Ashley? We needed to pop, pop, pop. Okay. My worst my worst game that I ever play is word association. I can't – I am so bad. There's too much going on. You have too many options. It's the tyranny of choice going for you. That's my, there's too much going on in my brain. Totally get it. I totally get it. You got to be, was that Judy Dench who put the dots on people so that she could distract herself in the middle of scenes? Like I had to count the dots while I was acting so I didn't have so much going on. We got to give you some tricks. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, let's do a little slower look back at the Lambda experience in terms of like, 
if you now could go back, and again, we, we didn't really talk about the fact that it's a three-year program and not a four-year program, but a pretty three-year mm-hmm. jam-packed program. Is there a class yeah. that you would want to add into your experience now knowing what you know about the, the business? Is there something you go, I just wish we'd spend a little more time on this? You know, a lot of times I say now that it's my career, I say, oh, I wish I knew how to do the accounting or how to read a contract without needing an agent or a manager. I think that that is the biggest thing that there were classes when I was in school that even now I won't I won't trash them. But why were they there? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, Mm -hmm. I just felt like in the moment. I didn't know why they were there. And even now I don't use them. So I wish we had something that was more practical and a way to, to read a contract without having needing other people. Totally. And then what on the converse, what's the biggest thing you take away positively from those years? Is there something you go, I'm so grateful this class, I have it under my belt and I use it all the time. Oh, I mean, our, our first year acting class, we would have, uh, two, three hour sessions a week uh, where we would just kind of exist as people in front of mm-hmm. each other. And I think that was the most valuable thing. There was no scene work. It was just existing in getting used to people looking at you do the everyday natural things. Um and because you get on a set and you realize, I don't know how to pour a cup of coffee in front of people when I have 200 people watching me. I suddenly forget how to do all of those things. So I think that first year class of just like get up, exist in a space for an hour and just be mm. as normal as you possibly can be. That was something that was super helpful. I mean, my clown class, my first job was essentially doing clown uh-huh. Week, uh-huh. So I needed that. I think that's such a great example of a class that not everybody would be like, when am I ever going to use a clowning class? And, and you're like, my first big professional job, I used exactly that <laughs> clowning class. Yeah. <laughs> and you really, you got to run the gamut. We'll get into that when we get into your career, but getting to see that experience, TV and film versus, you know, the play that goes wrong. You really got to ex- use both both ends of the spectrum of your skill set pretty early on. Yeah. Um, what about... Is there something that you feel like now, especially having gone to school with some real adults, is there something that you go, if I could look back, if I could do those three years again or part of those three years again, is there something that you go, I wish I'd done this differently. I wish I'd been mature enough to take advantage of this experience or what, what would you do differently if you could you know, rewind some part of the clock? Yeah, I wish I could just relax. I think there were some, as a young person going into a program like that, I put so much of my focus in being the best one there or being having to prove myself as an American and even just as an actor, no matter how old you are, what program you're in, I feel like there's, there's an element of feeling like you have to prove yourself. And I just wish I could go back and do it again as a person who just doesn't care as much about what other people think and just knew that all of the different opinions I was getting from teachers and faculty they were just opinions and people's want to make me better, but you know, you pick and choose what works for you and you don't take everything to heart. I wish I just didn't take everything so seriously. It is such good life advice for all people, but especially life advice that Ashley still needs because she is right now, for those who aren't watching, she's a ball of tension. Every part of her body is squeezed tight. She's still trying to prove herself to go, I want to show how good I am as an MTCA alum. So, you know, she's going to take her own advice in the second half of the interview for sure as well. Um, Let's cue to that break and we'll chat a little bit about Ashley's amazing professional career after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. We are back with the wonderful Ashley Reyes. Um, so talk to me a little bit about now graduating. You graduate a little young, right? Probably still 21 or something in that range if you uh, um, did a three-year program. And now do you move immediately to the U.S.? What was that like kind of reintegrating back? I'm saying reintegrating like you're in a totally you know, foreign land, but, but coming back to the U.S. and trying to now enter the business again of, of from whence you came. I mean, this story might go on for a little a little bit. I apologize in advance, but it is actually very interesting. So when I was graduating from Lambda, I actually got a job on the West End. So I booked my first show. I kind of fell into it. I was the reader for um, a, a show that was going to the West End and they needed a replacement. And I auditioned because my improv teacher was directing it. And he was like, oh, why don't you just just do it. Just do the audition. Mm. I was like, oh, I can't work here. I can't work here. Fast forward. I get a call saying, okay, so they actually really want you for the job. Uh, but we're trying to work out your visa. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, holy crap, my life is about to completely change. I'm about to get my visa. I'm about to be a lead on the West end. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I can stay in the UK. Um, a few days before graduation, found out my visa fell through and I had to come back to the U.S. And I was heartbroken. Um, so go back to the U.S., no plans. I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to move to L.A. Go out to L.A. I'm living with four you know, women who were much older than I was. I was 21. And, uh, I was working five different jobs. I was nannying. I was working at an art gallery. I was, uh, doing a whole bunch of stuff. I couldn't even get a job at Buffalo Wild Wings. I put in an application. They wouldn't see me. I was like, you weren't <laughs> wild enough. What was the problem? <laughs> me. I wasn't wild enough. <laughs> yeah. So I was just really struggling. I did my LA showcase. I got a manager from that, but you know, interest wasn't great. I had a ton of interest in the UK that all fell off by the end of my last year because I couldn't work in the UK. Mm-hmm. So I had no agent, was started like freelancing with a manager um, who turned out to be the best thing in my life. She's still my manager. She's amazing. Um, but then I, I gave up. I was like, I can't do LA. About five months in, I was like, this mm-hmm. is too much for me. I'm so homesick. I hate it here. Flew back to New York. I was waitressing. I was going back and forth from waitressing in the city to living at home on Long Island. And then the show that was on the West End came back around to New York. And they were opening on Broadway. And um, they were there with their British cast. And the guy who directed you know, the show in England called me and he was like, Hey, I'm there. I've got two tickets. Uh, do you want to, do you want to come? I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yeah, of course I want to come. But I, so I, I got someone to cover my shift and went and, uh, saw the show, went out with the guys afterward. And they were like, you know, we're casting the new American cast. Uh, we have callbacks tomorrow. Why don't I, I had no idea you were here. Why don't you come in? And I was like, what? And we're all, we're out for drinks. Like I'm, I'm a few glasses of wine deep. I'm like, I don't know if I should do this. Um, but I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll be there at nine o'clock in the morning. I get a text from the casting director who I'd never seen. Cause I didn't, I couldn't get an audition for theater. I could not get seen for anything. And I get a text from this casting director and he's like, can you come here at 9am just come in. We'll just give you both sides for both parts and we'll just see what happens. Great. Yes. And so I show up we're playing improv games. I know all the improv games because I've done this all before. I went to school with these guys 
And uh, yeah, I kind of just went from there. That's so amazing. For those who don't know the magic of editing, Ashley told that story. It took nine and a half hours. So what you heard was probably a slightly edited version <laughs> yeah. of it, but it was much longer in its original form. Um, no, but you so beautifully just expressed, I think, both the fear and the excitement of some of that international people who want to go to international schools because you made these amazing connections. They booked you a job on the West End, but also people do talk about it. It's very difficult to sometimes work internationally if you're, especially in London, it can be very difficult to work there. And then you feel like, God, all my connections are over there. I come over here. Now, how lucky for you and how amazing that those London connections ended up paying off in New York in a way that's much deeper than it might have happened if it was just someone you met you know, for the first time in that audition. That's just such a cool yeah. spectrum of the, the whole thing. Yeah, it was. it's a wild story. I felt like I, I landed face first into where I was meant to be. <laughs> it's crazy. It's so true. It's so true. Um, and then, so tell me about, so you did this uh, showcase in 2018. That should be like maybe the next year or shortly after the play that goes wrong. That's did, it, mm -hmm. it seems like from looking at the, the bio that that may have launched some of the TV and film stuff. You may have already been making some of those connections in those years prior, but, but did that seem like it was able to launch a little bit more of the TV film career? Yeah. I mean, so I still didn't have an agent at the time. Um, I, for, you know, reference, it's the ABC uh, talent showcase. So it's mm -hmm. 13 people that ABC mm -hmm. sees throughout the year, people audition, or it's people that who have auditioned for ABC shows throughout that year that they bring in mm -hmm. to do the showcase for mm -hmm. the network and uh, for agents and things. And so I had seen Marcy Phillips for an audition uh, with my manager while I was doing the play that goes wrong. And she had pulled me into final callbacks for the showcase and ended up getting the showcase, had a really great time, made a lot of great connections with ABC. And, but then again, at the end of it, didn't have any interest in the showcase, just nothing. And people were getting signed with agents and I was like, there's something wrong with me. Maybe I should, I should give this up because yeah, I'm on Broadway, but I still don't have an agent. I still get, can't get seen for theater jobs. I'm still, I'm getting seen for TV, but I feel like people aren't taking me seriously mm -hmm. because they, I just haven't done anything. And I'm auditioning for leads of series because my manager is amazing, but they don't know who I am. No one's going to give me mm -hmm. anything. So walked out of that showcase, just like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And then a couple months later, um, Marcy at ABC got in touch with my now agent and he was willing to see me and then we hit it off from there and i think that that was what obviously kick-started my my tv and film career really because only a few months after that is when i got american gods so so cool. yeah and and really a rare i think moment for a new actor to break into tv and film not that you hadn't done anything before but it doesn't seem like you took the progression of like a kind of smoke five lines and then 12 lines and then it's a guest <laughs> spot and that's recurring i mean you jumped right to I'm a series regular on like a big show. I mean, you know, I certainly I'd read that book. It's like that's I'm there was anticipation about that show in terms of what it's going to be, and you know, to jump right in and be able to be like, oh yeah, I'm a series okay. regular. That's got to be d diving pretty deep into the pool. I know, luckily with your noodle head experience, it's no problem. But you know, it does feel like you, exactly. you really drove into. Oh my god, I got to be expert at this. I don't get to sit on the sidelines. I'm I'm right in the middle of it. Yeah, I mean that show was crazy, and I mean to clarify the noodle world. I was standing in the background of a paper mache set with a pool noodle doing up down arm exercises. Yeah. And uh, for PBS, I did, think I did three episodes of that. And then I did a, a pilot as a teenager that the family values thing, and that didn't get picked up. That didn't go anywhere. So I spent one day on a set pretty much before. No noodles. No though. noodles, yeah. unfortunately. Um, but acting is acting, right? Noodles not in a pool feels like it can translate to noodles in a pool, right? That's acting is acting across medium, no? It's all about the intention of having the noodle. Yeah. Um, well, that's exactly what I want to talk about a little bit because you've now had this great experience with TV and film acting. And again, we kind of mentioned that spectrum of like, you got to do this crazy farcical improv show, which anyone who hasn't seen play that goes wrong, it's hilarious. But boy, is it like big big stage comedy, right? It's not, this is not subtle TV and film acting that you're seeing. And now you jump deep into a TV and film drama slash fantasy show, right? Where it's like it, the size of the show is certainly less than, than uh, uh, we'll see in play that goes wrong. Tell me about, I'd love to just kind of talk about what do you feel like the difference is 
between, you know, technique-wise? What are the adjustments you had to make having studied primarily theater, though, of course, you got TV and film training at well at Lambda, and now trying to go, how do I translate this onto the small screen? What did you do? Mm-hmm. What adjustments did you make? What did you feel like those differences were? Um, I felt like, especially with God's, where all of the shots are so close up. Mm-hmm. Um, you just it, the difference to me is just the amount of energy where the energy is placed. I feel like you know doing the play that I'm going to put my coffee down now. Oh, here we go. Um, when I was doing the play that goes wrong, you know, you you feel it from the toes to your fingers, and you have to show that to your back row. You know, they have to feel it just as much as the front row does. So it's just a lot more energy is expended. Whereas with doing something like Gods or TV and film in general, it's the same amount of energy, but where it's placed is different. I feel like, you know, whether the amount of energy is just placed behind your eyes and in the the intensity of what you're saying rather than you know feeling it all the way through and expressing that all the way through and you still have to feel it in your toes but maybe it just vibrates it quieter do you know what i mean does that make sense totally and then does that did you feel i know it's uh, all of its new experiences to you but did you feel that difference in like how i met your father which i'm guessing is a multicam i don't know that's true for sure but but in terms of the theatricality of that though still on television but different than a camera right in your face in terms of the size of it was that something you were conscious of is that something you kind of discovered as you work yeah i mean i kind of figured that out during my my screen test for how i met your father when i went in to test I was like, holy crap, this is like doing a play. I can just do exactly pretty much what I did during a play that goes wrong and it won't be too big for the cameras. And if it is, someone someone will definitely tell you. The amount of times mm-hmm. I've had like people be like, Ashley, bring it back a little bit. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> because the amount of times I've seen people on set being told, can you can you bring it up? Can you bring it up? Can you bring it up? I feel like at least I can bring it down and you mm-hmm. don't have to push me much to bring it up because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to be there naturally. Um, so I feel like how I met your father was a nice, it felt like I was going home a little bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> like being I back on stage. And we talk about this a lot, like with in like monologue work, especially with y- young actors who are applying for theater programs, the, the idea of like, you can't play tone. So don't try to play the tone of a monologue or play the mood of a scene. Is that something that you're aware of in the TV and film world? Because I think it's there. Mm-hmm. people are a little bit more at least aware walking into an audition. What is the tone of this? You know, as you're about to do Walker, which is maybe different than God's, which is maybe different than How I Met Your Father. Yeah. What part of you, if any part of you, is aware of something like the tone of the overall show and where the laugh lines are or aren't and what the pacing of the show is? And Is that stuff that's in your head at all or is that something you're like, that's for the director to worry about? Yeah, I mean, I'm. this might be terrible advice, but um, – I kind of say, you know, at this point in my career, I think I've noticed that the best work that I do is when I'm not worrying about tone or worrying about trying to to do anything other than I'm just going to be myself. If you need something else from me, just tell me, but I'm going to bring me and what I think this is and just relax and just talk to people like a human being, whether it's a an indie film. Like I just got off of an indie film that was beautiful and simple and wonderful, but I'm going to be the same Ashley and I'm going to bring the Ashley essence to that as I am to something like how I met your father. It's just going to be the script that you get is naturally going to bring something different and the shots are going to be different and the editing is going to be different. So I feel like my best work is just done when I feel grounded in who I am and I'm just bringing myself to the script. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I mean, there's a real trust in, especially because, you know, Film is not an actor's medium in terms of we don't have the ultimate control at the end of the what the result is. There's a real trust in the director and in the writer and everything that's going on to go, they're going to put Ashley in a way that that's going to work and look good and I'm going to do my thing and I'm not going to try to control it. It's, it's scary. It feels scary to me. <laughs> I feel like, but I want it to be this way because I'm this good and I want them to see how brilliant my acting is. Yeah. And trust me, there have been times that I trusted the editor and now not to bash anything, but I just watch it back and I'm like, oh, I know what I did. That is not what I did. So, you know, you just have to kind of take your hands off the wheel as an actor and accept whatever's going to be out there, Mm -hmm. whether it's what you like or not, whether it's your taste or not, 
doesn't matter at a certain point. What about, you've had this experience now, it seems like at least twice working with this kind of pre-existing IP, right? So with Gods being a pretty well-known book, American Gods, I'm giving using your shorthands of Gods, but I've known it as American Gods, being a really well-known book. And then with Walker being, Walker, Texas Ranger, we're not going to abbreviate, um, being a well-known series already. Do you feel like, was there any interaction for you of like, what the expectations might be from either book readers or series watchers before in terms of what you're bringing to the role versus like what it was before and what someone might expect when they come to see American Gods. Are they seeing the character they expected from the book, et cetera? Was that discussed in the room at all? Like how how you're doing things differently or, you know, how did you approach that idea of sort of pre-existing IP? It's really interesting actually because Gods is an interesting one because my character wasn't in the book. And Uh so I automatically felt a certain kind of pressure because I knew that people love this book. It's, Uh it it has a huge following. And so I already felt like, uh Oh, either people are going to really love this or they're going to really hate it. And they are going to tell me. Um, and so it definitely, you feel the pressure and especially with Twitter and, Instagram and all social media nowadays, it's terrifying to be on a television show, especially Uh one that has certain expectations because you're just waiting for people to, to take it down. Uh Um, (laughs) it's scary, but you, there is something also really exciting because you know that you're on a show that people already have an affinity for and they love Uh and, you know, I get messages that are really cool that are like, I never even thought that this was possible in the universe. And now, you know, you're one of my favorite characters, but mm. you kind of have to put all of those things out of your head when you're filming because you'll definitely get in your head about it. Mm. And Walker, um, I'm actually, so they're in their second season. I'm, there's a, a someone who exited the show and I'm taking over as, you know, the female lead on the show. And that also has a weird sort of, I don't want to replace anyone. I don't want anyone to think mm-hmm. that I'm replacing because it's a different character, but there's a certain expectation that's already set there. So it's a little scary for sure, mm-hmm. but I just have to trust myself and what I'm doing and not don't listen to the haters. <laughs> Well, you're segueing us so beautifully. In a second here, we're going to talk about social media, which we, we have to get into. How can we not in this world? Um, but I'd love to do, ask a really specific nitty gritty question, um, which you can share as much as you want to share or not about this. Um, but I just think about being so young as you are. I jokingly accuse you of being old, but of course, you're so young with such exciting success already. Do you start from a professional perspective thinking about the trajectory of your career and how you want it to look in terms of like what roles you take next. Now being able to see like, hey, I've got some series regulars on there. I've got this really cool movie. I got a bunch of stuff that's happening that's in the zeitgeist. Is that a conversation that you have with your reps? And now I'm even gonna take it a little bit farther in terms of going, do you start thinking and do you have a, a support system where you start thinking about, does my reputation, a representation team change at some point, right? As you have that big moment, do I add people onto it? Do I adjust, right? I I think people pretty much understand the idea of like, you do a showcase out of school and you might get a first level agent. Those could be huge agents or small, but you get an agent. And then once you're Matt Damon, you probably have an agent and a manager and a press agent and a social media manager. You have a whole team, right? But I think there's that interesting in-between moment what a lot of people have where they go, I had success, but am I the kind of person who needs X, Y, and Z now? And do I need to be at this level? Some people tell you yes, some people tell you no. So talk to me a little bit. That's a long question about like, how did you navigate that as you start really hitting some some real success? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very real question and it's um, the answer varies case by case and person to person because everybody wants something different for their career. And I think I realized very early, luckily, when I had my first serious regular job, I think I realized, you know, people work their entire careers to have one serious regular job. Correct. And I know that. And I feel incredibly fortunate to now have two plus a few other shows. I feel incredibly lucky. But I think I realized in my first one, I wanted a career that was going to be long and and was going to make me happy, which isn't always doing 
you know, the Oscar bait film, but Mm -hmm. the team that you're working with is just a disaster and you're going to be miserable and lonely for two years. And Mm -hmm. I realized I, I had a hard enough time growing up and I had a hard enough time in my brain for a long time that all I want now is to be happy. Mm. And so my career now, I look at auditions coming in and I'm very fortunate. I turn down anything that I'm like, nah, it's not it. Mm-hmm. Um, if something comes in and I don't think, I think I did that from the minute I started auditioning because I didn't take myself that seriously. I wasn't like, I need to do every single audition that comes in. I was like, I really like this part. I'm going to do that. Even though it's a low budget indie film, I'm going to do this, you know, three episode recur. Cause it's going to be more interesting than doing this big part on something that is actually kind of boring. And it's like not interesting to me at all. I think I, I made it a point from the beginning to pick things that were going to be fun for me to do as an actor and as a person. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think I started there and I I've spoken to my reps. I've had chats with them before being like, I think we're, we're going off on the right, the wrong path here. I think we need to veer back to these parts because this is what excites me or doing things like this. Um, because, you know, I would love to be able to do Walker for a season and be, this is the most fun I've ever had on a show. You Mm. know, it's, it's the most wonderful cast and crew everybody has a good time my part is so much fun we work shorter days we just enjoy being there and then in the interim you know we have three months off hopefully if we get renewed for another season I'd love to do an indie film that's a bit grittier but also with people that I enjoy and doing parts Mm -hmm. that I enjoy I don't want something that's going to maybe make me a huge celebrity but then I'm miserable for the rest of my life I don't want that Uh Uh, I have no interest in that. It takes such confidence to be able to do that. Just to just to be able to say, especially early in your career. And now you had have had enough, you know, um, real hits on the map that you get that it's totally makes sense that you can say no to auditions and jobs. But the idea of someone early in their career saying no to what's something that might be reputable, especially if your reps are saying, You gotta do this, this is amazing. That's really it takes a lot of a lot of mm-hmm. confidence. I mean, that's good for you that you have that. And and I empathize with those who don't have that earlier in their career to be able to say, I'm able to say no, because that's it's difficult. It's difficult to say no to something that, you know, puts you on the map and that people would really want to see just because you don't believe in it with artistic integrity. Right. I will say as someone who has I did, you know, there was one project in particular that I can think of that I agreed to do because on paper it looked great and it was working with a lot of really amazing people. And I thought, even though the part wasn't exciting to me, I thought, you know what, this is going to be a, a big thing and a big deal. And I ended up having the worst time. I felt so horrible about myself afterwards. I wanted to give up acting. I was so, it was such a bad experience that I was like, I will never, ever do that again. I will never just say yes to something just because it looks good on paper. It, there's Life's too short. Life's too short. Um, and then if you don't, of course, only share what you want to share in terms of your personal um, life and, and what's going on. But um, what does your team look like at this moment in terms of like, so some people kind of have an understanding that you might have an agent who submits you for stuff. You might have a manager you mentioned maybe you're still working with. Do you have other jobs in your life of a press person or a publicist or what does this look like in terms of what is Ashley's team? And I'd love to hear both in terms of professional team, but then also if you're, you want to share, it's like, who, who do you talk to? Who's your board of directors that says, okay, do I have the right team? Right. Cause it feels like sometimes you need both. I re- maybe that manager is part of that team where you go, you're so in with me that we'll talk about my team with you too. But it's sort of like, if your team is your professional team, how do you, how do you make decisions about those people? You know, who do you talk to about those things? So as much as you're willing to share about that, but I'd love to hear what is the orbit of Ashley Reyes at this moment? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I have my manager who I've had since I graduated. Um, and so, yeah, I do have a whole team of people now, which is crazy to say, uh, but I have my manager her assistant, uh, and then I have my, I'm with Stuart, so I have the whole, I have my point person there and then I have the whole team there. I love them. I think they're wonderful. And like you were saying before, like, do you change reps? I said to my agent from day one, like I am someone who 
this was the way I was raised. It's the way that I'm going to operate my life. I'm incredibly like a loyal person. And, and until that day that I feel like it is just not working anymore, I will be mm-hmm. with them. They were the people who believed in me. I believe in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I have all of the, the people at Stewart and then I have my press team um, now, but I will only have them really for when I am, a show is coming out. So now how I met your father has just come out and Walker's coming out, um, in a month or at this point a month. Um, and so now I have a press team kind of pushing the magazine shoots and interviews and things like that. And then once it comes out, you know, these things, you know, pulling the the curtain back, they all cost money. Everybody's taking, Mm -hmm. you know, a percentage of it. So it's not just like people are, pushing me out of the goodness of their own heart. It's like, we have to pay all these people and it, mm-hmm. it adds up. So I don't have a press person year round. I only have it for, you know, the month or two leading up to something coming out. And then, you know, you wait until the next thing, but uh, that's my team right now. And then behind the scenes, you know, I think it's so important if you are going to be in a relationship or in a partnership to have someone that understands you believes in you and supports you and can you can be their sounding board and whether that's another actor or not at least having someone who understands what you're going through is so important so you're not doing it alone and there's no jealousy or competition or anything like that just someone who really gets it which I'm very lucky to have. I, I got a little peek behind that curtain on the other side of with Elizabeth with her Tony campaign. It was it was that same conversation mm-hmm. of like how, how for how long and what makes sense. And then of course we had that pandemic hit, and so we're like, do you keep doing this now through a pandemic? Like, but I was like, how do people make these decisions? There there doesn't seem to be an easy and obvious way for you to go. Here's who I bounce this stuff off. Here's, you know, maybe if you have a parent that you go that's already in the business, really knows this stuff, but m- for most people they don't have that. And so then if you don't have that, how how yeah. do you figure all, all this stuff out? Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about also social media. We mentioned it, and I think especially as you talk about press or your you know marketing yourself, how how does that or how did it change for you? Maybe social media when you realized my life is a little less private than it used to be in terms of there are people who may come on to tell you I hate you in this show. It's not like the book or whatever. <laughs> you know, how does that affect the decisions about what you share online? Right? Were you already like right after school? Did you start thinking of yourself as like the CEO of a business and I'm I'm a personal marketer with Instagram? Or did that change now as things start happening and you have something to market, et cetera? It's so yeah, oh gosh, I hate I hate social media. I always have not a social media person. I deleted my Twitter the other day because I just, I couldn't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. I was told to get one for a show and then I never used it. And I only used it to go and look at the shit people were talking about me. Why was I going to have that? No, <laughs> put, put it down. It's just, it, you know, and then Instagram, I, um, I, I, I don't share as much on there. I don't like being a public person. I don't like the idea of people knowing things about me in any way. Um, I will. I also don't like sharing my work things. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just have always felt insecure about it. I know that a lot of people do use it as a tool to promote themselves, which I think is amazing. I am not one of those people. I just, I, I wouldn't even know where to start. And I don't really have an interest in it. So I think social media, you only need to use as much as you want to. Don't feel any pressure to have to do it. I love that. And you're now the second person on our show. We had Devere Rogers who said the same thing, who's having this wonderful career moment as well, who said, I'm not on social media. You don't need to do it. Because I do think people do hear, and we're not saying don't do it, of course, if you want to do it for yourself, but I think people do hear you have to. It's a prerequisite for the business. And I would say it's not, prerequisite is a little bit strong of language. A lot of people use it. It is a tool, certainly a tool we use to promote this podcast and, you know, something that that mm-hmm. we can be aware of what it does. But it's great to hear that there's there are other people out there that are going, I'm having this really successful business moment. And it's not because I'm great at you know showing flashy photos of me on Instagram or, or that kind of thing exactly yeah let's jump in to a silly game shall we play the second game of two games that we're gonna play Woo! this is a very simple categories game and it's based on the current hit show how I met your father that's on right now 
And this, it's also based on the parent show, How I Met Your Mother. So we'll see how well you remember that show, which is on a number of years ago, I know. I'm going to read you a list of episode titles, and you have to tell me, is this episode title an episode from How I Met Your Father, which hopefully you should know, How I Met Your Mother, we'll see. Is it neither or is it both? Do you feel prepared for this game? Not even a little bit. I think you're going to do great. Okay, here we go. (laughs) The first question is... Slapsgiving. Slapsgiving is uh, how I met your mother. Correct. We'll give it. You're allowed to stumble. Mother is what came out of the mouth. That's correct. Answer number one. The title is The Fixer. How I met your father. Two for two. You're doing great. The one with the prom video. How I met your father. It's neither. That's friends. So you forgot that neither is part of it too. You definitely think they were all both of them, but sometimes they'll be neither, right? You got to make, we got to mix it up. We now understand the game. We're two for three in the warm up round. You're doing great. Okay. Weekend at Barney's. Weekend at Barney's. Oh, well, how I met your, how I met your mother. Correct. The contest. How I met your father. Seinfeld. Incorrect. How your mother met me. How your mother met me. How I met your mother. Correct. <laughs> I love that each time you say it, you're sure you're going to say the wrong one, even though you've been right every time. Okay, great. Luke, I am your father. Neither. That's Star Wars. Exactly. So we're getting it. We're getting the game. Okay, good. All right. I'm getting it. Yeah. Dirty 30. Dirty 30. Oh, that's uh, that's how I met your father. And it seems to be spelled with two R's. I tried to pronounce the two R's in there, which you'll have to tell me about. Yeah, it's a, it's like Christina Aguilera. Oh, okay. Well, that's, I'm so not hip. Oh, my God. Megan was like, oh, my God. It's so embarrassing. Slutty Pumpkin. Uh, how I Met Your Mother. Correct. Two Cathedrals. Neither. Correct. It's the West Wing. Very good. We're doing great. Okay. The Blue French Horn. How I Met Your Mother. Mm, no, it's a plot from How I Met Your Mother, but not an episode title. That was mean. I don't know why I did that. That's too mean. Okay. FOMO. F-O-M-O. FOMO. How I Met Your Father. Correct. The Good Mom. Neither. How I Met Your Father. How I Met Your Father. We snuck one in on you. Um, the, the Yelp Reviewer. How I Met Your Mother? No, it's neither, though it's a plot line from Father, at least according to Wikipedia. Okay. Wedding Bell Blues. Wedding Bell Blues. How I Met Your Father. It's Gilmore Girls. I did that for Megan because Megan is a big Gilmore (laughs) Girls fan. We just had Dakin Matthews on the pod who's a Gilmore Girls love, so we threw that on there. Okay. Last question. Here we go. Pilot. All of the above. All of the above is correct. It is a both. That's our only tricky both. You got one of the tricks. I'm very Very, very good. You did wonderfully in that game. That was very hard. I actually think that would be a good game to play anytime because episode titles are tough. Unless it's like the one with where people know maybe what all the shows does. It's It's friends. That was hard. I should have known. I'd just love to talk a little bit about the current kind of 2022 landscape and the constant shifts of COVID. I mean, you're really someone who had really started to build a career before COVID, but then have continued really working within this COVID world and, and it's your careers continue to grow. So I'd love to hear, I know TV was of course less affected and shut down, but still was affected by COVID. H- how do you see yeah. this industry continuing to change? Are, are there places where you see it bouncing back? Are there places where it continues to shift in, in certain directions? Be no Nostradamus for a second. How do you kind of see the world that we're, we're experiencing? Um, I think things are going to start loosening up a little bit again. Um, I, even this week we've taken a step forward. Our, our COVID protocols on this show at least are so strict. Um, but this week we're going to, we're loosening it a little bit. Normally I get tested every morning, whether I'm on set or not, they come to my apartment, I get swabbed. Um, we get tested every day, blah, blah, blah. Starting this week, we don't get tested until we go to work, and then they're using those tests at work as the Mm -hmm. barometer of whether we can work that day or not. Um, So that's exciting. That's really exciting because that's a huge step from where we were last year when there was nothing. And, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, obviously, my career, thankfully, was still going over COVID, but there was a period of time when... I wasn't sure if it would. I went back to bartending. Like it was still, no matter where you are in your career, mm-hmm. COVID, you know, put a put a big damper on things. And, you know, I, I had to go back to bartending for a little while. And um, luckily it came, my career came back and was progressing. But I, I know a lot of people who are still affected by that, you know. 
a sad, sad world where bartending comes back before acting does. You know what I mean? It feels like of all the two pursuits, acting is a little safer than bartending in the in the world, right? You would think. <laughs> what a time. Um, all right, my last question. Just if you could go back and give one piece of advice to a young 17-year-old Ashley, what would it be and why would it be definitely use MTCA again? <laughs> um, well, I mean, I would just tell myself, just don't take everything so seriously. Uh, just have more fun and understand that you're only going to be in that period once in your life. So just enjoy it and don't feel like the wor- the weight of the world is on your shoulders. So true. Um, we've plugged a lot of what's coming up. Is there anything else that we missed that, that places people can check you out, places people should be following you? It sounds like you don't want them to follow you on social media because you hate all of your uh, <laughs> fans. Um, but anything yeah, that we, you'd yeah. want us to throw out there? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, no worries. I, I post a lot of silly stuff on Instagram and nothing work-related really. So if you just want to see – weird pictures of me with filters on or pictures of my dog mostly. Um, my, my Instagram is Reyes, Ashley Reyes. Otherwise, you know, just watch out, please watch Walker so we can get picked up for another season. We'll check out Walker. We'll check out how I met your father is still running though. I guess by the time it's released, it may now be have wrapped its season, but it's still up there on Hulu. You can check it out there as well. And we will be back for another season. Ooh, breaking that tea right out. That may have been announced already, but we're breaking it right now. We're back for another season. (laughs) Um, Ashley, thank you so much for the time on the pod. It was such a pleasure to get to chat with you. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. You too. Well, that was a true pleasure to get to chat with Ashley. I think she is so intelligent and genuine and charming and fun. And it is just mind-blowing to me that we have so many students who are old enough and wise enough to give such a great interview and advice. Um, I mean, of course, all these students are now like full adults and we've been doing it for 15 years. But this all, they feel like students to me. I still think of them all as like, oh, you're still a student, even though you're like a full adult. I'm looking at one right now as I speak. Um, I'll just give a head nod with this deeper dive that we can talk more about international schools coming up and we'll likely do so when we have an international school on the pod, especially for our our high school listeners and, and their parents. But I really want to dive deeper into this beautiful concept Ashley talked about in her freshman year of school, which I think applies to all of our listeners, which is that idea of what it is to be seen. Um, I think it's one of the hardest lessons to learn as an actor, and it's so integral to like all of our acting work, especially in the TV and film wor- world. Um, it's something Ashley does so beautiful. She does it in this interview. We see it, right? And, and you can see it leading to so much of her success. It, it's just that idea of, of letting herself truly be seen, be present, and be with the person that she's talking to. Um, our instinct as actors often is always to be doing, right? And certainly that's what we're trained to do, right? What, what is my tactic? Am I playing actively? But there is this countering force because acting is so often about opposites. As we talk about objectives, we also talk about obstacles, right? So even though I'm actively doing something, the countering force is just to exist as a human being, right? All that doing can become so dewy that we kind of stop being and being is just as important uh, as an actor as well. There's this really great old Laurence Olivier quote. Um, He's talking to Dustin Hoffman. There's like many actually great Olivier to Dustin Hoffman quotes, but this is one of them, um, where Hoffman asks him why he became an actor. And Olivier responds with, because look at me, 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 look at me. Right? That is some of what we do is just to to be seen on stage. I want to walk out and have people see me. And there's something so compelling about an actor who really, truly lets themselves be seen. And especially not seen as their representative, so not wearing the mask of perfection that they've concocted for themselves, but actually as who they are with warts and all, right? It's incredibly intimate. The idea of being seen as your naked, true self without artifice, this is often what directors or acting coaches would say when they say like, hey, can you let us in? Let us in there. There's that subtle difference between what you are showing me and what you're letting me see. This is really tough for our college auditioners, especially when we're talking about monologue work or song work when you're you're the one performing. So much of that can tend toward the doing. And to some extent, of course, it should. We want you to be playing actively in your pieces. But we do always encourage our students, can you find what is that negative space in the piece too? When am I listening instead of speaking and therefore letting myself be seen? 
And in those moments of discovery, in those interstitial moments, there are great opportunities to be seen doing nothing as opposed to only being those kind of tactic robots, right? It's always great uh, technique to practice in your auditions also outside of the work you're doing. So not just in the monologues and in the songs that you're doing, but when you first walk in the room, when you're chatting with the people behind the table, can you really let yourself be seen and just meet them as opposed to forcing your representative in front of them? It's, of course, much easier said than done, I know, and Ashley talked about spending a whole semester doing nothing but this, which that's some of what acting school can do for you. But boy, if you can find that, that skill will reward you in your career if you can master it. Well, if you found this episode rewarding, and I did, it was very fun for me, uh, I would love it if you hit that follow button, if you subscribe to us wherever you listen. Um, we'd also love a rating, a review. We suggest five stars if you love a remaking of old intellectual property, and an ironic five stars if you thought the first one was good enough and just leave it as it is, gosh darn it. That's fine too. Uh, you can also reach out to us with questions for the pod at mailbag at mappingthecollegeedition.com or Megan and me directly. I'm at Charmer7. She's at Megan Marie2014. If you're interested in working with MTCA for individual prep for your college audition journey, please check us out at mtca.nyc. You can also follow us at Musical Theater College Editions, at TweetMTCA, etc. To my young artists out there mapping their journeys, just go to college where some random celebrity challenges you, you won't get in. That's how it's done. We'll see you next week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.